Good evening. It's good to see you guys in the house. Anybody happy to be here? Y'all awake tonight? Good. Okay, okay. We're going to test it out because tonight we're switching things up just a little bit. To give you some context, uh, one of our huge endeavors here, one of our focuses is just figuring out how we can disciple our people better and better each and every day. And if you don't know what discipling means, to be a disciple is to be a student, to be a follower of Jesus. And in our current day, current age, current culture, cultural Christianity has blurred our understanding in many ways of what it means to follow Jesus. And many times, our understanding of believing in Jesus doesn't always connect to following him. And so what we're endeavoring to do is to continue to find more and more ways to equip our people to follow Jesus well. Anybody want to follow Jesus? Got a couple people in here. Has anybody found that his way is, is truly the best way? Has anybody found that he is the way, the truth, the life? Y'all fading out. Each time I say one, I said the way, yeah, the truth, yeah. It's a buildup. Anybody found that he's the way? The truth and the life. There we go. Now I feel like I'm around some young adults. Man, y'all acting like y'all 50 with stress. I need y'all to wake up, man. It's only 7.52 p.m. And I know for some of y'all, this is just, y'all don't even really get started on the weekend until after this time. It's quiet. It's quiet. Oh, sorry. Anyway, look, the, the, the way that we were wanting to switch things up tonight is we wanted to make things just a slightly more interactive. Does anybody have an actual Bible with them? Come on, somebody. Does anybody keep anything with them to write notes? Couple people. Okay, okay. If you don't have anything to write notes with physically, do you have something to write with digitally? Is, it, is there anybody in here with nothing to capture notes with? Somebody's embarrassed the lifter. That's okay. That's okay. But if you need something, we're going to find you something. We are going to do uh, a little Bible study tonight. It's not going to be anything crazy or anything crazy different than what we normally do. I just wanted to walk us through the process a little bit. And so tonight we are shifting gears for the, for the month of September. We were in the book of James, which was a powerful time. We had some, some amazing guests pop into play. Had Pastor Carl kick things off. I was, I was sandwiched in the middle. And then Jess closed us out with a powerful message last week. And amen, it was fire, right? And today, I was, I was back and forth because I almost stayed in James. But I was torn because I really felt like God was 
leading me another direction. And in my personal time, I had just been drawn to the book of Hebrews and fascinated with it. And so I've been reading in the book of Hebrews for about the past week. And I wanted us to dive into Hebrews a little bit tonight. And so what I, what I want you to do is to the best of your ability, we, we're going to have the passage up on the screen, but I also would like for you to be able to have the passage in front of you because we're going to be walking through it. So if you have the Bible app, if you don't have the Bible app and you have a phone that can download apps, download the Bible app. It's called Bible app. <laughs> Easy to find. version Bible app. If you have a physical Bible, praise God, you're really saved, and you should know how to navigate that thing if you brought it with you to church. I don't have to give you any direction. You're a professional. Help some people around you if they look lost. And we are going to be in Hebrews chapter 12, just two verses, and and we're just going to walk through this, but I just want to pray for us before we move forward. Lord, we thank you for the power of your word. Your word transforms. Your word is alive and active. Your word solves the issues of humanity. And so, Lord, would you walk us through your word today? Lord, would you show us and equip us with how to take this into our daily life? Lord, to not just be preached to and taught from a platform, but to be taught by your spirit. Lord, you said, even through your apostle John, Lord, that that the Holy Spirit would teach us. And at the end of the day, we don't even need a teacher because your spirit will teach us when we open ourselves and submit ourselves to you. So Jesus, be glorified. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Okay, so Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 2. I felt like as I was reading through the the book of Hebrews that this was kind of an anchor passage. There are a lot of great passages in here, but to choose one to focus on that kind of tied everything together, here's where I landed. It says this, therefore... Since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him He endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. We're going to dive into this tonight. And uh, another aspect that I wanted to make sure you guys were aware of is we're actually going to do some Q&A tonight at the end of this. And so we're going to have a QR code up that's going to be popping up. And if you have any questions, please scan the QR code, go to the link and ask your questions. We won't be able to cover every single question tonight, but we are going to try to cover some solid ones and, and just do this together. That's, that's really the heartbeat behind this is 
man, how do we do more together and how do we equip? The Bible tells us to, that, that we are put in place to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. That's the heart of our senior pastor. That's the drum that he's been beating for the last few years. And, and, and the heartbeat of victory and the vision that we're moving towards is raising people up. So the thought process behind this is, man, how do we equip you to better follow Christ and to step into new levels of leadership within your own personal life, your own personal spheres? And I know that the better that you get at navigating the word of God, that's the only thing that you really need because he'll lead you, he'll guide you, he'll give you the answers that you're looking for, and it's going to be game-changing for you. So I want us to walk through kind of this process uh, many of you guys have been diving into this with us already before services. We've been doing this thing called SOAP. And all SOAP is is an acronym. It's a, it's a way to study the Bible. It's a process of studying and, and interpreting the Bible. So it, it's SOAP, S-O-A-P, Scripture, Observation, Application, and Prayer. S is what we just did. We read a Scripture. O is observation, and here is where things start getting really, really interesting, because as you're reading the Bible, you don't want to just read words that go in one ear and out the other, but you want to start immersing yourself in the words that are being spoken, and you want to pay attention to what's being said because God breathed these words, and these words are spirit and life. There is, there's more to it than just empty text. And every story that's being told, every, every encouragement that's being given has life in it and has application, but you have to be able to observe what's taking place. Now, observation covers a couple different areas. One of the first things that you want to observe is, man, what's taking place? Who's talking? Who are they talking to? Where is this taking place? And one of the things that is, is, is great is that we have a lot of access to Scripture with devotionals and Bible plans. But one of the challenges that sometimes that brings is we jump into passages of Scripture without really knowing where we're at. And so we just land in a sentence, and then we start trying to pull from the sentence. And it's not that you can't get anything from it. But you're going to be able to get more from that sentence when you understand what the paragraph is about. And you're going to understand that paragraph better when you understand what the whole book is about. You following? It's like trying to open, say, a, a fictional story, right? And that fictional story has a beginning, a middle, and an end. If you jump in in the middle, you don't really know where you're at or really what's going on. And you might be able to glean some things from it, but you're going to understand the middle a lot better when you understand where things started and where it's building towards. So in this situation, we could put the passage back up on the screen. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded, and it starts with therefore. We can get into since we are surrounded by such a, it says therefore. So if it's saying therefore, that means something came beforehand. That means this is a conclusion being drawn from ideas that were presented previously. And, and we're not even going to get the full weight of what's being said here if we don't know the conclusion that it's drawing. Because it's, it says, 
Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, well, who are these witnesses? What is this great cloud of witnesses? Because it's, it's giving us the baseline for everything that comes after, let us throw off everything that hinders, but we're supposed to be motivated, pushed forward by what was just said. Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, that's supposed to have some emphasis to us, but it's not going to have any emphasis to us if we don't know what it's talking about. Y'all following? And so what it's talking about is what took place in the chapter beforehand. In chapter 11, it's one of the most famous passages in the Bible. It is many times summed up as the hall of faith because the writer of Hebrews gives this list of all these people throughout the scriptures that have been faithful and describes all these different ways that they have walked by faith. The the chapter starts off in 11 talking about now faith is, anybody know what the rest of that is? Come on, some people know. The evidence, the assurance, the conviction, sometimes it's different wordings, but it's saying now faith is the evidence or assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. And so it's being assured of something you hope for and convicted about what you cannot yet see. And then it goes throughout this whole list of how God has always been pleased by faith. And all the people who were commended throughout the Bible, they were not commended just because they were great Bible readers, because they were great preachers, because they were just great Christians who who went by the rule book. It's not about that. It's about the fact that they lived by faith. Are you living by faith? Are you living more based on what you cannot see than what you can see? That's what the passage is directing our attention to. He's saying, man, all throughout the history of God and humanity, God has drawn his eyes to people who will believe in faith and says that in order to approach God, you have to have faith because it takes faith to believe that he exists when you can't see him. And that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him, meaning this. It takes faith to believe that if I search for God, I'll find him. And before that, it says it's Im- without faith, it's impossible to please God. So this is the setting that he's talking in. He's, he's trying to direct the attention of believers to their, the need for faith. And I have this list that I'm, that I'm going to put up because this is... The, the summary of all the people that he lists. He lists Abel, Enoch, Noah, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Moses' parents, Moses, the Israelites, Rahab, Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and says, I, I can't even list everybody, but this is just a list of all the people from the very beginning of Scripture all throughout the Old Testament, because the New Testament is being written at this time. And so he's talking to people who most of their understanding is from the Old Testament. And he's giving them this list of, if you just look at all of their lives, 
The only reason that their names are even listed in scripture is because they lived by faith. And he gives example after example of their, the way that they live by faith with Abel. Abel gave his best offering to God. Anybody heard of Cain and Abel? So the issue with Cain and Abel was Abel brought his best offering to God and it pleased God. Cain didn't really endeavor to give God his best. And so God wasn't pleased with his offering. Abel brought an offering to a God he could not see. So that required faith. It required faith to sacrifice something valuable for a God he could not see. In the same way, for you, it takes faith for you to give time, for you to give effort, for you to give money towards a kingdom that you do not see with your eyes. Now, the beautiful thing is, it's not that we don't experience God. And the beautiful thing is, it's not that we have no evidence of his presence or his existence. Jesus even says, just like the wind, you may not know exactly where it came from or where it's going. Or It's not that you're necessarily able to see it with your eyes, but you can feel it and you can see its effects. And so I can look at a tree and I can see the wind's effects on the tree, even if I can't see the wind. And I know that the wind is moving. I can look at my life and know that even if I don't physically see God stepping into my circumstance, saving me, encouraging me, correcting me, rescuing me, bringing me out of darkness into light, I know that it's happening and I know that it has happened. I can look at who I used to be and see who I am now and it's like the wind's effect on that tree because I see the tree bend. I see my mind change. I see my thoughts shift. I see my heart change. And I'm experiencing the reality of God's presence even when I cannot see him. And so I live my life based on faith. And I love that God does not give us an empty faith or no reason for our faith. We have great reason for our faith. Even when Jesus stepped into human flesh, he went around doing miracles. So he wasn't saying, man, believe in something that I'm giving you no reason to believe in. It's, you have very good reason to believe but it's still going to require faith because you're not going to see everything or understand everything. And so that was just Abel. And so then you look at Enoch, you look at Noah, Noah builds an ark. For a, for, he had to believe that the earth was really going to flood. He had to believe that God's word was true, that what God said was really going to happen. It makes me think of even Jess's message from last week. We, we see this foreshadowing in Revelation of how the earth is going to come to an end. Jesus says he's come to bring a new heaven and a new earth. And at a certain point, everything that's happening here, the world systems and the way that the world seeks its own glory and to sustain itself, the system that is described as the system of Babylon is going to crash. And Jesus says stuff like, do not store up for yourselves treasures here on earth where moth and rust destroy, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy. Thieves do not break in and steal. But that requires faith. I gotta believe that's really gonna happen. I gotta believe that, that what I'm refusing here 
is ultimately not going to sustain me in the long run. I have to believe that if Jesus says he's overcome the world, I got to believe that's actually true. And so we can look at this example of Noah and be reminded, man, God responds to faith. God requires faith and God responds to faith. I can look at this and not just see encouragement to have faith. I can see that God requires faith. It requires faith to have relationship with God. In fact, the Bible tells us that we are saved by grace through what? Through faith, not by works, lest any man boast. And we can hear that, and that's something that could go in one ear and out the other. But God is saying, no, no, seriously, you cannot change your life enough to be saved. You cannot clean up your life, your heart, your behaviors enough for it to save your soul. That price is something that you actually could not pay on your own. Jesus Christ has already paid the price for all sins, and we're going to get into that later. And you receive it by faith. But did you see Jesus go to the cross? Did you see what happened in heaven when Jesus was hanging on the cross? You see that even the disciples, they may have seen Jesus on the cross. They may have seen Jesus resurrect, but it still required faith that the father was at work. It still required faith that that actually brought them forgiveness of sins. None of us are exempt from the need for faith. And some of us, we want more evidence. We want more to see more, see more. There's, there's nothing more you could see that would stir faith in you. You have to accept and receive what you've already seen. Unless you have not heard the message of the gospel. Because it is, the, it is the gospel that is the power for, uh, unto salvation for all who believe. But if you've heard the gospel, you've heard everything that you need to hear to have faith. And it's as simple as that. And when we look throughout the history of all these people, Jacob, Joseph, Moses, I love how it lists Moses' parents. That they had to have faith. Just to release Moses, knowing that he was special, when there was an edict coming from the king to kill all these little babies, they had the faith to preserve him and to put him in the hands of God. And so, again, that's the therefore. You see how much you can pull when you start reading the Bible? That's the therefore. Since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, that puts some weight behind it. When I start looking at, okay, who is, who is Abel? Who is Enoch? Who is Noah? Who is Abraham? Abraham, it says that he traveled to a land that he had not seen, did not even know where he was going because God told him to do it. And so it says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, we have all these people who have gone behind us. All these people have lived by faith. Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. 
It's interesting to me. I'm, I'm still in the observation place. I started dipping a little bit into the application because just because I couldn't help it. But in the observation phase, I'm noticing, okay, it says therefore. Okay, that means some stuff came behind it. Since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. Okay, that means they just gave a list of a great cloud of witnesses. So I went back, I looked at that, and then I observed what it was saying about these witnesses so that I really understood the weight of what was being explained. Now it says, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. One of the things that stands out to me there as I'm observing is it says, let us throw off. That means there's something that is within my ability to do. Let us throw off everything that hinders. Sometimes I can feel like, and this is me, I I can't help it. I'm going to just dip from the observation to the application. So sometimes I can feel like there are things hindering me that I have no control over. But this is telling me that there are things that hinder me that I can throw off. So then I have to ask myself, man, what is it in my life? that's hindering me, that I could throw off. And then it goes on to say, and the sin that so easily entangles. What an interesting description of sin, that sin is so easy to get tangled in. And it's saying, let us throw off everything that hinders and, and some other translations say like every weight that hinders. And it gives this picture of like if you're dragging a weight, like a ball and chain, like the, the, the weight that hinders and sin that so easily entangles. And you get this picture that God is trying to give of the things that get in your life that keep you from going where God wants to take you. And sometimes dabbling in sin is, well, I can say always, every time you're dabbling in sin, you're getting tangled up. And and what happens is the world says that the word of God entangles you. The the world says that morality entangles you. And so they want to change morality. The world will tell you that, that God is trying to put you in a box and is trying to restrict you. And so we need to break free. But God is saying, when you try to break free from God, you're getting tangled up because God created you to be free. So when you step away from the one who created you to be free, you get entangled. And so you get drawn like an animal to a trap. We see that, we see that imagery in, in Proverbs. And you see, I want you guys to really ingest this because I've spent a little time reading the Bible, and to let it read me and to immerse myself in it. And I, and I feel like if you guys pick up on some of the processing here, it's going to help you so much in your day-to-day life. And, and I love sermons. I preach sermons. Sermons are great. But the, the bulk of your discipleship, you following Jesus being a student of God, is not going to come from sermons. It's going to come from this word right here and you being able to read it and it reads you and you start immersing yourself in it and asking the right questions. Sometimes you have to, in, you have to interview God as you're reading the Bible and you want to inquire into, into the word and you want to investigate what's going on. You want to interrogate the word and let the word interrogate you. You want to actually get into a discussion with what's taking place here. 
because I intentionally didn't spend a ton of time studying this passage because I wanted it to just be organic. And so this is really not like pre-planned. This is, I'm investigating what's taking place here and just sharing with what it makes me think of. But it takes me back to, I think of the book of Proverbs where, um, where there's a father explaining to his son, that, that's how Proverbs starts. It's Solomon saying, son, listen to my wisdom. And one of the things that he talks about in Proverbs 7 is the adulteress, right? And he warns his son against this adulterous woman. And we can look at this from, from either angle. So ladies don't feel like y'all are the only ones who be adulterous out here. This goes for everybody, right? But it talks about, it talks about this man being lured toward this appealing woman, not understanding that he's like a bird going into a snare, into a trap, like a lamb led to slaughter, not not realizing that he's actually going to his death. And that's what happens when we start playing with sin. And so it makes me think of how the world and the enemy really says that the enemy is the prince of the power of the air and that the world is under the control of the mindset and manipulation of the enemy. And, And there's this demonic agenda and narrative that's trying to woo us from the freedom of God's word, and is saying, hey, if you come over here, you'll be more free. Don't suppress yourself. Don't discipline yourself. Don't submit yourself. Free yourself. And it's this bait that lures you and lures you and lures you. Just like you don't put something in an animal trap that won't appeal to the animal. You put something that will appeal to the animal. And the animal goes into the trap to get what will appeal to it and to experience it and to indulge in it. And then, boom, without it being without it ever suspecting that this was going to happen, it gets killed. And that's the same way the enemy works with you and I. And this is why even in this passage, it says that sin so easily entangles. If, If we go back to the book of James. The next verse after what Jess preached last week talks about temptation and says, let, let no one say that God is tempting them because God cannot be tempted and he tempts no one. Instead, we are tempted when our own desires lure us and desire, when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin and sin gives birth to death. And so it starts with a desire, and we get lured towards pursuing this desire that seems so innocent. It seems like it can't be that big of a deal. And we get drawn and lured, all right, this is just a desire. Desi- my desire is not bad, right? And you can scour the internet and find a ton of justification for any desire you can imagine. And so if you want to find affirmation for your desire being good, you will find it. And you get lured. And then desire, once it has conceived, you spend some time with that desire. You get close with that desire. You get intimate with that desire. And it gives birth to sin. And then it says sin eventually gives birth to death. Nobody tries to go after death. You go after the desire. The desire brings you into sin. And then sin draws you into death. In the same way that You go after the food. You were just trying to get the food. You were hungry. You go after the food, but the food is in a trap, and the trap brings you to death. So this is why he says, 
you actually have control here. You can throw off these weights that are hindering you. And so it makes me, man, what is hindering me? Is my pride hindering me? Is entitlement hindering me? Is greed hindering me? Is lust hindering me? What is it that's hindering me that I could throw off today? And that would be a great thing to write down right now. Man, what is it? What is it that hinders me? Because there's something. I guarantee you, you may not want to face it because you might not want to throw it off. But if you want to be free, then it would be wise of you to address what it is that does hinder you. And what entangles you. And so what I would typically do in this instance is as I'm inquiring and as I'm asking, man, what is it that, that hinders me? For, for any preachers in the room, at, I, I may then be asking, man, what is it that's also hindering other people? Because it's, it's not just about my sin. And so if I am endeavoring to preach this at some point, then I'm also thinking beyond just myself. I have to start with myself. Let me not just, you know what I can't stand? When people only see other people in the word. When they, when they feel like the word is just about other people. And if you're not careful, you can get into that space. Let the word of God read you first. That's going to be the most beneficial thing that ever happens. Jesus says, address the plank in your own eye before you call out the speck in your brother's eye. Pastor Johnson just preached on that a few weeks ago. He had a whole two by four up here. It was hilarious. But you, you want to allow the word to advise you so that you can even be of any assistance to somebody else. But I want to ask, man, what's hindering me? What entangles me? And then what about other people? It says, and, the, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Okay. So we're surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses. It gives this picture like you're in a stadium, right? And there's all these people watching who have gone before you. They've run this race before. They've lived by faith. They've been commended by God. They have finished the race well. They have gone from the starting line to the finish line, and they did not stop. And God was cheering them along, along the way. He was cheering them on. He was with them. He was walking with them, running with them, bringing them through, and people have made it. This person made it. That person made it. This person made it. That person made it. And now these people who have now achieved and now have ran their race, they are now witnessing your life. And it's saying because we are in a stadium full of people who God has been faithful to, and they've been faithful to God. Have they been perfect? Absolutely not. You can go and read their lives and see that they sinned and they messed up and they lied and they cheated, but they just kept going. And they lived by faith, even if it wasn't perfect. And that's why he says that we're not saved by our works. We're saved by our faith. And since we're surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders us. Because why would we run away? Why would we run a race carrying stuff that's holding us back? So you have to throw off the things that are hindering you and entangling you because then you can't run the race. And when you will throw those things off, 
Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. It says, let us run with perseverance. The first thing that sticks out to me there is, I don't just get to run and expect it to be fun all the time. That there's a there's an element of endurance and perseverance to any long-term race. This is why he's using this imagery. I love how he speaks to us in our language. Let us run with perseverance, the race marked out for us. Okay, so when I th- live a lifestyle of throwing off the things that hinder me, because I might have thrown off some things yesterday, and then today I wake up tempted to be entangled. And so when I live a lifestyle of throwing off the things that hinder me and the sin that so easily entangles, I can run with perseverance the race marked out for me. So wait, there was a race marked out for Abel. There was a race marked out for Noah. There was a race marked out for Abraham. And they all look different. There's a, there's a race marked out for my wife. There's a race marked out for myself. There's a race marked out for my son. There's a race marked out for each and every single one of you guys. There was a, there's a race marked out for your parents, for your cousins, for your friends. There is a race marked out for everyone, but everyone is not running the race that's marked out for them. And this helps me to hone in. If I, if I was reading this in the morning, I would be very, very... Uh, I, would be, I would be motivated. I would feel like this was a great start to my day. Man, I'm surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, people who've lived by faith. God just wants me to believe. God wants me to believe that what he said is true. It was true yesterday. It's still true today. And he's been faithful to the people that have come before me. Man, I don't have to be entangled in the things that have hindered me and in the, in the ways that I've thought in the past and the ways that I'm tempted to think now that aren't any good for me and aren't healthy for me. I can throw those things off and I can just run the race marked out for me. You know what that says to me? I don't have to live up to other people's expectations either. And I don't have to compare myself with anybody because my race is marked out for me. Your race is marked out for you. One of the dangers of our current society and what we have access to is we can spend our whole lives looking at everybody else run their race and comparing ourselves. And can I tell you, you're where you're, you are where you're supposed to be in your race. You can feel like you're not even at the starting line yet. And can I tell you, you're not surprising God. But he wants you to move forward today. We all find ourselves in moments of discouragement. We all find ourselves making poor decisions at times. We have all made mistakes, and we have all made mistakes that we are now experiencing the consequences of in some way. None of those things disqualify you from running the race marked out for you. Some of those things just add some details to the race that's marked out for you. But I know that God wants you and I to be focused and to run the race with perseverance. And so when when I run into challenges, when I run into discouragement, when I run into comparison, I can be reminded 
that God just wants me to keep going. Run the race with perseverance. Marked out for you. And so, for me, that's encouraging. And right after that, he says, fixing our eyes on Jesus. So that means you don't run looking at the ground. I don't run looking at my past. I don't run looking at my sin. I don't run looking at my flaws. I don't run looking at my circumstances. I don't run looking at my surroundings. I don't run looking at whether things are going uphill, downhill, whether it's cold outside, hot outside. I don't run with my eyes on anything but Jesus. It says fixing our eyes on Jesus. This means that nobody's going to fix my eyes on Jesus for me. I can't come to church and expect my eyes to just get fixed on Jesus. I have to fix my eyes on Jesus. And everything that's coming at me in life that's not from God is trying to fix my eyes on something else. I have to take inventory on what I'm fixing my eyes on. Because if I'm not careful, I will fix my eyes on something that is not Jesus and not even realize it. And I'll be running, but my gaze has shifted. And what I've found is when I'm running, and if I start looking another direction other than the direction I'm supposed to be going towards, I'm either going to start veering off or I'm going to trip over something. And so I love the imagery here because it gives me so much to live my life by. God created all these things. He created all the analogies that we could ever have. He created the human ability to run with an understanding that we would even find revelation about him in that activity. And that's how I read the Bible. Is he, if, if the Bible says something about a lion, God created the lion with an intent that somebody would discover something about him in it. So God created the ability to run and he created the need for perseverance when you run. He created the ability to get out of breath, to get tired. He designed it all. And so then I'm seeing his own nature in what's being described and it starts fixing my ideas about God because what I naturally want to believe is that God wants to give me a supernatural ability to never get tired. That's what you and I are tempted to believe. And then we feel like we're outside the will of God when we get tired. I need to stop coming to church because I'm tired. I need to stop serving because I'm tired. I'm getting tired of this. I'm getting tired of that. And then when I come back to the word, I'm told that I should run with perseverance, that getting tired is part of the game. And that being tired, and when you keep going when you're tired, and making the right adjustments when you're tired, not quitting, Sometimes you need to adjust. Sometimes you do need to adjust your pace. But that doesn't mean you stop. And he's saying that when you get tempted to quit because you get tired, you may not be fixing your eyes on the right thing. But when we fix our eyes on Jesus, 
we understand this because he goes on to say, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer. That means he started. He went before us. He started running this race before you did. And perfecter of faith. And then it gives the example that he set. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame. Another translation says despising its shame. And sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Wow. This passage can read my whole life very quickly and realign so much in a short period of time. Because I need to remember that even when my life feels like I'm surrounded by a world that doesn't care about God, in the spirit, I'm surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses who have been faithful to God. And that in a world that is trying to entice me to step away from God and telling me that I'll find freedom in my own pursuits. In reality, I need to stay close to God and throw off the rebellious ways of the world that will entangle me and keep me from getting to where God wants to take me. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. So that means I can just if I just keep going today, I don't have to worry about tomorrow. When you're running long distance, and now mind you, I don't like running long distance. So this challenges me. I'm like, if I run at all, I stop at a mile, and that's it. I, I can't remember the last time I ran past a mile because I just get bored. I'm for real. There are some people in here you might like running. My wife is more of a long-distance running type person. I'm not. I get bored. I want to move to the next thing. So this speaks to me because he's saying, hey, in life, you can't just get bored at a mile and go do something else. Run with perseverance the race marked out for you. Oh, so I didn't mark out my own race. So I don't get to determine where it starts or where it ends. I have to just stay focused today and run the race marked out for me, fixing my eyes on Jesus. If I just stay focused on Jesus, I'll be able to keep moving forward. I have to understand that he has gone before me. He's the pioneer and he's the perfecter of faith. That in the midst of this, he is working on me. He's refining me. He's perfecting my faith. And that he endured and ran with perseverance his own race, even through being crucified. Because there was joy set before him, and Jesus is the joy set before me. Eternal life with Christ is the joy set before me. And he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God when it was all said and done. And I know that elsewhere in the Bible, it says that when I have professed my faith in Christ, I'm now seated in him at the right hand of the Father. And so all of this applies to me. Amen? I was going to dive into um, another portion, but I'm going to stop there. And what we're going to move into next is our Q&A portion. I'm going to pray for us first uh, because it's scripture, observation, application, and then prayer. 
And so did you guys get something out of that? I hope so. And I'm excited to go into this question portion. The QR code is still up here. Um, But I want to pray over us because what I would do next is after ingesting all that and applying all that to my life, I now want to seal that in the moment with a prayer to God and asking God to help me walk through this. And so I want to pray for us. Father, I thank you for your good word. Lord, we don't need anything except for what you said, and it's enough. Lord, I thank you that you truly are the pioneer and the perfecter of faith. And Lord, I thank you that I could just fix my eyes on you. We can just fix our eyes on you and keep moving forward. I pray that you would help us to keep moving forward. Lord, for everything that hinders me and hinders my brothers and sisters, Lord, would you reveal that to us today? Lord, and show us what to just throw off of ourselves. God, I thank you that sin does not have power over me or over any believer in Jesus. Sin does not have power over us. The enemy has no authority over us because your blood has paid the price. And I have access to everything that you've provided just through faith in you. And so, Lord, I pray that you would help each and every one of us to throw off sin, to remind to be reminded that we have power over sin, that it cannot just trap us and entangle us against our will, but we have authority to trample on snakes and scorpions over all the power of the enemy is what your word says, Lord. We can stomp on sin. And so, Lord, I pray that you would help us to walk in freedom, help us to walk in authority, and God, help us to run the race that you have marked out for us. Lord, you determine the length of our life, God the start of our life, the the fact that you've planted us in 2023. So Lord, would you help us to stay focused, to not get distracted, Lord, and to not leave anything on the field? Lord, would you help us to be a group of people who are wholeheartedly committed to you, God, and we're gonna run this marathon with everything we've got? Lord, I pray for strength to stay holy. Grace and mercy, revelation and wisdom to understand the beauty of where you're calling us to, God. And I just pray that you would get all the glory from our lives. In Jesus' name.